The following is a presentation of the Eagles Sports Network. Martin here for the newest edition of Mossy Creek Conversations. The Carson Newman podcast tells all the stories of Carson Newman athletics throughout history. And we are pleased to be joined today by Jeff Jocelyn, former Carson Newman quarterback and, of course, the director of Sparks, the Ken Sparks story, the documentary that come out this year. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for taking out your time. and your very busy schedule to be here. <laughs> well, Richard, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And it's uh, always great to come back home to where it all started. Absolutely, and it started for you really right down the road of in Knoxville over at Farragut High School, and we were with Ken Sparks from almost the very beginning of the playing career. He was the coach of Farragut High School when you played football there for the Admirals. Um, what was Coach Sparks? And a lot of people know what Coach Sparks was like at Carson Newman, but what was he like as a high school coach when you first met him? Well, I was a sophomore, and I played for Coach Claybo. He he retired, and and so the last. Well, the first time I met Ken Sparks, we were all in the gym, gymnasium, and he came in, and um, this young guy, you know, a um, lot of energy, and just said, hey, things are going to change here. And, um, and then all of a sudden, all these workouts that we did, we were doing ballet, we were doing um, martial arts, and I mean, it just, it was like a spark that happened. Um, and then all of a sudden, when, when he was around guys, you know, he wanted, you know, to know about FCA. So he started FCA at his house. And, um, you know, a lot of people go to FCA, just, you know, guys go there for the girls are there, you know, uh, I'll say that I was too. Um, but I'd never really heard about FCA that I remember. Uh, other than Ken Sparks talking about it. And then all of a sudden, um, he'd come around and, and talk to you and, and ask you, how's your heart? And I'm like, well, I'm fine. I'm, <laughs> medically, I'm fine, you know? <laughs> and so he was always talking about, and talking in ways that kind of reminds me of like being parables, you know? And that there was some kind of, what's going on? You know, so um, then we started talking more. Um, I was, at that time, I was um, the third string quarterback. Stan Cotton was the guy. And uh, there was another guy, uh, Will Garland, was um, the second string. And so I was just this young, long-haired guy. <laughs> you know, and I didn't think I you know, had a lot to do, you know, with, with the spark system, but I, I I liked it. I enjoyed the the working out, working outs that he did, and all that stuff. And then um, our our first season, we ended up being yeah, I think ten and one. Went to the nurseries bowl, nurserymen's bowl in Nashville, and there was a lot of things going on. All of a sudden, there was a, a stadium that was going to be done because we had the new school uh, that started in 1976. So they needed a new stadium. So Coach Sparks got this booster club together. I mean, my dad and, and so many other players were, were selling stuff and raising money for this for this stadium. And all of a sudden, this, this community exploded um, from the, the energy that Ken Sparks brought to Farragut. You know, we used to be Farragut farmers. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we were 10 and 1, you know, versus 6 and 5. 
and and it could have been you know in the playoffs. And then the next year, um, we had an all senior team that had Bill Bates, and we had guys that were going to go you know to college uh, with scholarships and things like that. People were looking at us, and we went to um, University of the South in Sewanee, and. Stan Cotton goes down with a knee injury, and uh, I remember the—I I mean, my, like it was yesterday—he—he—he he, he said two words, Coach Sparks, and was just screaming, Coach Sparks, and his knee was blown, it was gone. All of a sudden, um, Jim Dyer, who was a recruiter uh, at UT, and he, his son played for Coach Sparks, um, David Dyer, but he was—he was at the at the practice, fall practice. And he told Coach Sparks, he said, hey, why don't you put Jeff Joslin in first string and put Will Garland at wingback? So I'm a junior on an all-senior team, and I was just scared. I just, you know, to fill those shoes that Stan Cotton was going to go to a major college, you know, was gone. And then you got Bill Bates and the Jim, um, or, um, Oh, Rusty Reney and Jeff York and DiMatteo and guys like that, they were, you know, I think looking to make me to do all this stuff. And, <laughs> and, um, and so we had a, an incredible season of going to the playoffs, got beaten double all the time. And, um, and so everything kind of changed. Um, off the field, he got us involved with, you know, the FCA going to Black Mountain with uh, at uh, FCA summer camp. Took 15 players to um, to Black Mountain for the FCA camp. Um, a lot of people came to know Christ through through FCA. Um, we went to Brushy Mountain State Prison uh, to hear Red Fuller, who was a, the the meanest and the strongest. Um, Inmate in the Tennessee prison, prison, uh, prison system at that point, friends with James Earl Ray, and um, um, and this guy would would go play softball at the at the inmates and things like that, and it would just change people's lives. I mean, it impacted my life. He was like a spiritual father for me. So, kind of a long story there, but that's kind of where everything kind of infused things happened. Um, started at, at at Farragut, and then. The next year, all these guys—I think 15 guys—ended up being with major college, major, major college scholarships. You know, Bill Bates and several of his friends went to UT, um, and then we went seven—I think seven and three—and um, and then Coach Sparks was going to take off, and I was being recruited with all the Southeastern Conference schools and some up north, Notre Dame and Army and Air Force and all that stuff, and but I. I I didn't know where he was going. He wouldn't tell me. And I said, look, you need to understand and figure out where God wants you to be because I don't want to influence your life. God has to be in control. And, and I appreciated that because I knew wherever he was going to go, I, I would want to play. Um, I was recruited at Carson Newman. I didn't really thought about it. Um, I just, you know, I had in my mind, I thought, you know, either UT, um, the week before signing, uh, Bear Bryant called and said, hey, we want to offer you a scholarship. And, um, and I said, well, I've already 
made a decision. And um, I almost went to Mississippi State because they did the, the, the wishbone, Emory Ballard. But I decided, because of the shadow of the big orange, <laughs> I decided I'm gonna stay at home and um, went to, to Tennessee. And then Coach Sparks ended up going to Carson Newman. Um, so that's, that's kind of the Farragut situation. Um, so it was interesting to see how he really changed a community um, using the game of football mm-hmm. as a platform to tell about people about Christ. I, you know, I grew up in the church, but man, he was a spiritual father for, my, for me. Um, changed my life. Absolutely. And so, like you said, you start off at UT, you end up coming to Carson Newman when Coach Sparks comes here and successful right off the bat too, changes this team and two back-to-back NAIA national championships. You're the quarterbacks for those teams. Um, what do you remember from those seasons going back-to-back and not just the games, but also just the camaraderie in the locker room and of course what Coach Sparks brought to this town and this team? Well, when I transferred over, um, in night, uh, January of 82, um, I went through a spring practice and I threw three interceptions. I was destroyed, I mean, by, by another coach at Tennessee that destroyed my confidence and Coach Sparks had to really build me up. So I played some in 1982, I think behind Jay, Jay Andrews, I think Jay ended up hurting himself, either shoulder or something. Um, so I played some, we went to the playoffs, I think we got beat at Hillsdale. And um, it just didn't go through. You know, we, we just didn't get, get into the national championship team. Um, <clears throat> so the next year, we come back, and um, Jay's first string again. But in fall camp, he gets hurt, and I'm bumped up to first <laughs> string again. And, and so I didn't have anything to do with that, you know. Um, but, but again, it was back to me to try to do this. And then we had um, Thomas Gifford and Brad Bell and, um, and a couple other guys. And, and so, you know, the first, in 1983, the first two games we lose. You know, we're, we're ranked fifth, I think fifth. And we, we, we thought, oh, what's going on, you know? And then we go through and we go through a great season and then lose the last game. I think it was against Liberty, I believe. Um, and we don't know if we're gonna to go to the playoffs or not. And it, I remember I listening to it, listening to it on the radio, that if this team would lose, then we would get in the playoffs. If they would win, we would get out. But they had a, a chip shot, field goal, that if they would have won this, we would have been out. And and somebody was telling me that, that when they kicked the, the field goal, the wind just kind of just blew it. And, and I mean, I think you actually, they said that on the radio. And I just jumped up and screamed and, and called a couple of friends and we're in the playoffs, we're in the playoffs. And, and, and it had never been, it, that I can remember, that there's never been three losses with a team to go to the national championship and, and, and even win it. Um, so we knew something was going on with this team. It was something, uh, you know, keeping the faith, I think, was our, our logo or our, our theme was at that year, keeping the faith, and that's what it was about. 
Um, during that time, Coach Sparks had gone through a divorce, you know, so he himself had been struggling, you know, and, and had to keep the faith, <laughs> just like he was asking us to keep faith. And so we ended up, I think, the, the first couple of playoff, I mean, we struggled and, and we were down, I think, we were down 21 to nothing, and Coach Sparks, just, I remember in this, in this locker room, <laughs> exploded and just, you know, got behind us, and we got behind him, and, and we ended up, well, I think, winning 24-21 to either Shepard or, or Saginaw Valley, I can't remember. Um, then we go to the playoffs, you know, the national championship in Mesa, and, and playing a team that we probably should not have won. Um, they had never, that, that year, the guy had never, um, thrown an interception the entire year and I, I don't know if they were the, the the national championship before or or not I can't remember um, getting old getting old <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember they had 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 already printed national championship for Mesa and they thought they were just going to win this thing and you know, we come out there with about 300 people, and, and we end up, you know, winning. You know, I think it's 36, 28, or something like that. Um, and I, I, one thing I remembered was, as soon as we won, I just hit my knees and I just gave God the glory. And um, you know, God had something special going on with these guys, and and um, it was a, a close knit bunch of guys that that got behind. You know the coaches, Ken Sparks, and and it. You know we we started that, that national championship, and and then the next year came back, and then we ended up you know tying, and you know at Central Arkansas um, still had the national championship, but um, you know one of those things that just why me? Why was I there? You know, and and why did I meet Ken Sparks and and and. And it was just a great, bigger plan of something that was going to happen in the lives of people's lives here at Carson Newman, and people's changing lives, and, you know, coming to know Christ, and and through the game called football. <laughs> That's what's so so ridiculous, you know, is that that God will take something like this if if we're available, and 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 use it, and give Him the glory. And um, you know we've got rings and all this stuff, but it's not about it's not about that. It's about tell the story. Um, you know, I know Coach Sparks when he was talking about the ring. I think the first ring we had had faith on the side of it, and he said when people ask about it, tell them about the story. Tell them about being faithful, about faithful, you know, to your teammates and, and you know this or that, but also being faithful. To your relationship with Christ, and that's what that's what Ken Sparks was about. So. Absolutely. And so, wrap up your playing career, collegiate career here. Um, did you stay close with Smart Ken Sparks after uh, graduation, and did you just come back a couple of times, guys, stay close with your teammates? I actually I did. I came back because they had the alumni game, <laughs> <laughs> and and so I was I was going in the Canadian Football League. So my first year, um, I was there for two months or three months at Saskatchewan. Uh, Rough Riders and got cut, came back, and so I was, I think I was working around here, and, and I was helping Carson Newman some, and then I would play, you know, in the, um, in the alumni game, 
um, which was fun because uh, I was trying to get into the um, the Canadian League the next year, yeah. so I was staying staying in, in shape. And um, and again, just I wanted to be around what Coach Sparks was all about. I mean, and and, and you know, um, so then I think the next year I ended up going to Toronto Argonauts and was there for a year. Came back and got um, cut again, and my career was over. And then I started with working with FCA and uh, in Nashville for about a couple of years there, and would still go back and would play games, <laughs> uh, which was crazy. Um, but the, I think they ended up going to, uh, getting out of the NAIA to the NCAA, and they couldn't do the alumni <laughs> stuff anymore, so we had to stop that. But um, oh, I will probably still be playing. <laughs> Some of those old guys like Torbush and and, and Lingerfinter and Danny Sanders and all those guys they would they would probably still be playing maybe I don't know <laughs> but it was it was a great opportunity to be a part you know uh, of Coach Sparks's legacy. Uh, we actually I th I want to say in the '90s I mean for Aaron Safel he was a running back here and he and I would we would go speak. I would speak and he would sing, um, kind of salt and pepper. He was an African American guy, so we're, you know, salt and pepper and and um, um, black and white and um, um, ebony and ivory. I think we called each other. <laughs> um, but we sat down with Coach Sparks one time at lunch and said, "Hey, we want another ring." <laughs> and so we ca I came up with this idea of of. Team of the uh, team of the dec decade, mm -hmm. team of the decade, or decade of the decade of champions is what I we say. Well, we do a decade of champions. You know, all those five rings. Let's do a decade of champions ring. I said I wanted to get another ring, <laughs> <laughs> and so he actually ended up turning that ring into the team of the century, and so I ended up getting that third ring um, with that, and I ended up having three sons. And they all played football and sports, and and so it was interesting that I was able to give you know three rings to my son. And now we have four, which uh, Scott McClanahan and Mark Isom put together the 338 <laughs> ring, which were all the wins that Ken Sparks had. Um, of all those rings, uh, or all the the wins, and all the players from 1980 to 2016 who played a part. Of his legacy is is now they have the the 338 ring, and which has just come out. I actually got it today, and it's and trying to think so heavy. <laughs> it's like so different. Um, it's interesting. So, but I don't have four children, so I have to, this is going to my grand my granddaughter now. <laughs> so, I think they're done with rings. I don't know. So. Awesome. Well, of course, you decide later on in life, decide to go into the entertainment business um, later on in life and make the move up to New York City. What was kind of the pushing factor into getting into the entertainment business? Well, um, working with FCA, I was a, um, the director in Upper East Tennessee uh, from 1996-2002, and I was doing an extreme team, a martial arts. Um, at that time, um, Mortal Kombat was going on, and so I created a, a extreme team, is what we called it, and uh, we used FCA. Um, they had a, a drug-free program, and I would I would put together 
I was taking Taekwondo with my family and, and some other people, so I put together a team. And we would go to the schools, middle school, high school, and colleges about uh, uh, their no, no uh, drug-free program and talk about faith, commitment, and accountability. And, um, and so we, I created, I directed it and produced it and spoke and I got involved with a stuntman and um, doing some of the stunts that he was helping us doing some, some stuff like that because I did all the, the, um, all the, the actions and, and things like that and um, theatrical explosions that we had, and, you know. Um, <clears throat> so we, I actually, I, I left FCA, um, I went through a divorce, and I was working for a medical company and got laid off. And I went to get my hair cut. <laughs> and, and the guy that was doing my hair asked, asked me, he said, have you ever done any acting or modeling? I said, no. I said, well, so what do you do? You know? So he said, this guy had been a hair and makeup guy for, for an agency. He said, well, he told me to go to this agency. And, and, uh, and so I went to the um, Carolina Talent in, in Charlotte. It was an open call. <clears throat> and I was there um, um, doing a fake commercial, a runway kind of thing, and, and, and I was going back to my seat. I was the oldest guy there. I mean, most of it was a bunch of kids and, you know, and parents and things like that. And, um, and he, the, the agency told me, agency told me, uh, lady, so they said, don't sit down. I said, I want to tell you about this guy. This guy, because of my salt and pepper, <laughs> you know, gray, gray hair, says this guy can be a doctor, a lawyer, detective, you know, and he just kind of snapped. I said, hey, that, that's my brand. I can, I can play different roles. But I've always, because of Ken Sparks, Whatever your hand finds to do, you do it to your best ability and for God's glory. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to get in the entertainment industry, and it's going to be a purpose-driven entertainment. I don't want to just do things just to do things. I want to do things to reach people for Christ. I took a course on Hollywood Institute on how to do films from zero budget all the way up to $20 million budget. <laughs> and, um, and, and so I, I started doing some films. I actually directed and produced a couple of just micro-budget films. And um, Facing the Giants movie came out. It's about a coach whose priorities weren't right and he wasn't winning. All of a sudden, you know, he, he was at a Christian coach, or he was at a Christian school, but um, some guy came in and talked to him about his priorities. He got his priorities right and started winning. I said, well, that's Ken Sparks, mm -hmm. but his priorities are already right. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm going to tell a story. I want to, you know, about Ken Sparks. So in 2006, that's what kind of got into me about maybe doing his story or doing a telling us, you know, a feature film about like Facing the Giants. So fast forward. Um, I, I worked in New York and had some success in commercials and Tyler Perry made it Medea's Witness Protection. I was his boss and you know, so I like both sides of the camera. I like acting, um, commercials and things like that, but also was doing, I was like, man, what, what, I want to 
produce stuff, you know. Like, that, that's what people do you know, in the industry. You produce stuff, you know. And, it's, and it reminds me a lot like athletics, you know. You get a coach, you get a assistance, and you did this and that. And, and then you put together a team and you have a good, you know, successful team. You have a successful film. So I was an agent for three years in New York and then moved to L.A. to be around my sons. And, and then I got remarried and uh, moved to Orlando and um, started doing, you know, the same thing. And then all of a sudden my marriage fell apart. My wife had an affair. <laughs> I ended up having a, a stroke. I lost my memory and speech. And um, uh, physicality, I was fine. I mean, I could exercise, but, but my speech and memory was, was impacted. Found out that I had a PFO, which is a patent femoral veil, which is a, a millimeter hole, hole in the middle of your heart. And one out of four people have it. It's a birth defect. And so if you have an atrial fib, then you can push clots into your heart, you know, who's supposed to be filtering it. And so it ended up having a, a clot. You know, I had a, a stroke from it, a cryptogenic or cryptogenic stroke, you know. Um, but it, it made me think about things, about life and um, another chance. Um, so I moved back up to Knoxville and I went to, to the Hall of Fame uh, dinner for Farragut that Barry Mauser was going to be inducted to. So Mark Eisen was there, Robert Arnett, um, Dwight Wilson, were all there to support Barry Mauser. And I'd gone through a, a documentary course. I said, eh, you know, I, th I, think, I think a documentary is something I'd like to be doing, you know, telling a story and then do a feature film. So I talked to Mark and Mark, uh, Robert Arnett, and I said, hey, this, let, me, let me do a documentary, Ken Sparks. And so let's go. <laughs> that was February 2020, I think. I think, <laughs> I believe, yeah. And, um, and so I, I found out that three years before, they had tried to do something. Uh, Jimmy Seitz and, and some, I think um, um, some other guys put together some footage and it just didn't get off the ground. And I think they were going to work with FCA. So Dean Craig, I talked to Dean Craig, and he said, yeah, they had done that. And so I went up and talked to um, um, Mr. Pope, uh, athletic director, and uh, found out that Keith McDaniel, who was the film professor at Carson Newman, and we had a meeting. And they said, yeah, we, we just don't have time to do something like that right now. If you want to do something like that, we'd like, you know, we just want to make sure it's done right. And Keith uh, McDaniel, who's done 20 or plus documentaries, you know, and he does the Knoxville Film Festival. He asked me, he said, have you ever done a documentary? I said, no. I said, <laughs> I said it's, not, it's not rocket science, but you know, I know you do a lot of interviews and things like that, but I said, he says, well, you need to get some producers to help you. I said, well, I'll find that. I can do that, and I'll find the money. Um, because it, uh, they didn't have the money, I said, I'll find the money. And, um, so I found some guys that I had done a commercials with in, in Tampa, and they were, they were behind the project. And COVID shut us down. And because I'd already got some money, some, some gifting, matching gifts from, from some alumni, Carson Newman said, hey, we'll do it if you, if, you can if you can find some other money. So 
all through the summer I, of COVID, I just started getting equipment uh, through the stimulus that we had because I was self-employed, so I ended up having stimulus, so I bought equipment, Sony A7R III, the, the Sony FX6, you know, the, the, um, the lights and the, um, the um, audio equip, equipment I had before, but just need to up, upgrade it. So in the middle, I, I was actually gonna go to Los Angeles because my granddaughter and my oldest son, Jeffrey, and Justice uh, lived in, in Los Angeles. Um, so I thought I was gonna go to, go to LA. Yeah. But Jeffrey, the oldest one, said, no, we're, we're getting out of California. It's getting crazy, <laughs> we're leaving. So we're gonna move to Nashville. Would you drive, would you fly here and drive my car back and we're all gonna take four or five days and we're gonna camp all the way across the United States. So we, we did that around, I guess it was in August. And we stopped at my sister in, in Bowling Green and we were taking another day and just taking our time and, and, um, and my son's daughter-in-law, who's a director, writer, editor, she's an actress, She's putting some stuff out to Walmart and things like that yeah. and DVDs. She said, let's shoot something. I said, well, here we go. <laughs> it's ready to go. Ken Sparks story, it's ready. And we started September um, 2020. Uh, we got the money. Uh, we got us started. Got the uh, 25K with the... Uh, um, the matching gift and we raised another, I think 20 or 25 or 30 or whatever. And we started, so started um, interviewing people. Alan Duncan, Dean, Dean Craig, um, Kurt Duncan, um, Mark Isom, um, Jay Floyd, uh, Ken Smith, um, Coach Clowney. Uh, we interviewed about 31 people and we ended up kind of put it down to about 14 people because we just couldn't put everything in there. Yeah. But, but we've got access to, to use those interviews later. And, um, you know, we got Tony Dungy in there with uh, a, a, a clip from talking about Coast Parks. And, and um, so we ended um, in July of 2021 and um, we got it in the Knoxville Film Festival. And uh, I submitted, I think, submitted the documentary to um, 32 film festivals. Right now, we've got, I think, 14 we've been selected by uh, film festivals and we've had I think 11 awards oh, wow. so I mean it's really taken off um, tomorrow we're going to the Tennessee Baptist Convention um, and they are doing the Carson Newman alumni dinner at the Tennessee Baptist Convention for all the people that, that graduated from Carson Newman and they are giving away the first year, first war, first, sorry, first um, award ever for the Ken Sparks Award that personifies, per, uh, see there's my brain, That's like, <laughs> it, uh, it, it, it exemplifies the person, the pastor or the lay person that shows evangelism in their life. And they're giving that award to the Ken Sparks Award, and we're showing our um, um, our trailer um, tomorrow night, and so 
that's that's kind of a great thing for the Tennessee Baptist Convention because a lot of the churches we're able to see about it because we want to get this out to the churches. We want FCA to get it out, and um, and so we're working with Regal and Phoenix Theaters for a theatrical release on January seventh oh, wow. of twenty twenty, and then we have a meeting this week with Pure Flix, which puts puts out God's Not Dead and all those you know Kendrick's Brothers and and um, you know, like Show Me the Father and, and some other great Christian films, inspirational things. So they're they're very interested in, in the documentary. Plus, they know about where we want to do the feature film called It Only Takes a Spark. So there's a lot of great things happening. God's really blessed, um, you know, and, and honored our efforts, you know, and, and we've kind of just tried to stay out of the way. <laughs> and it's just, it's just happening. And um, so it's good. It's been a good to be a part of it. We have, of course, the documentary. It's gotten the awards, it's gotten all that. But more importantly, how important is it to you that they, other people know, not just in East Tennessee, but around the nation and the world, what Ken Sparks meant to all the people here at Carson and what he meant to glorify God and everything he did? Well, I, I, I went through a, they have, I think, online, they have this thing, master class, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and so I went through, I think, the Ken. Ken Burns documentary class and at the end when he's finished with his film he says you want to evangelize that film that means get it out there you know and um, and so we we the reason I think I wanted to put in a lot of film festivals I want people to see it secular ones we have several faith-based film festivals that we're getting in but there was one that, that stuck out, the Topanga um, Film Festival in California. I used to live close, close to there, and so did my son. We were selected, and it's, it's a secular um, film festival. And, um, and we were the first ones to show that. Um, and the owners of the film festival were impacted by it. They said, this is not about a football game, a football film. This is about changing people's lives. And one of the producers um, said, I'm writing down what Coach Spark said about how's your heart? Because that's what I need to be doing in people's lives. And not just asking how you doing. It's like, how's your heart doing? And um, we didn't win. Um, in that film festival, uh, Song of the Whales won. <laughs> so it's hard to compete against the whales. <laughs> um, but that's that's secular, you know. I mean, so uh, but we 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 made an impact, and that's the spark that you know. It's it's not about Ken Sparks. It's about the person that lives inside Ken Sparks that can come out and tell the world about what we're supposed to be about the relationship of Jesus Christ and that's what this that's what the documentary is about Ken Sparks was just a vessel that God wants to use and 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 Ken Sparks made himself available same thing we can make ourselves available if we will um, to be used to have a spark in somebody's life and that's that's what has been ingrained me by Ken Sparks 
since I've been around him. And, um, and that's the, the passion that's behind this documentary. It's like it only takes a spark, you know. What can you do? So. When you talk about, you showed it at Knoxville Film Festival, of course, getting to show it back in your hometown as well. A lot of alumni and supporters of Carson Newman were there. What has the reaction been from the Carson Newman family that maybe they did know Ken Sparks, maybe even the ones that didn't know Ken Sparks? What has the reaction been from them seeing this film? Well, what's interesting, which I loved about it, was I didn't know some of these guys' stories. I didn't know Ken Sparks' story, that he grew up poor, you know, because Chad told the story, and that he came to know Christ through young life. <laughs> and um, and he was a part of a gang when he grew up, and that, that you know, radically changed his life and his family. And um, so, that's what's interesting, and, and why I want to do some more stories about people, um, telling people their stories, because everybody has a story, and, and then God can use that story in somebody's life. It may not be in yours or somebody else's, but somebody is going to make a difference in somebody's life. Um, when, when we did the film at the Ken Sparks um, story at the, at the Knoxville Film Festival, Keith got up and, and introduced the film, and, and it was funny because he said um, that he was a little leery of me doing the documentary, and and which I understood, you know, understood that, and that was fine. But he said he wanted something that would would personify, would would tell the good stories about about Carson Newman and about and honor Ken Sparks. And, um, and he said, we did it. We did. And, and I have to give all the, the, the accolades to my son and my daughter-in-law who put this story together. I mean, I was there, but they edited, they colorized it, they put the script, you know, for me to be able to talk about the story and, and to take 31 people's lives and, and bring it down to about 14 people talking and to tell a story, and that's that's the hardest thing is have a good, you know, beginning and middle and an end, and and they did that, and, and I'm so proud of, of my family that they were a part of it. Even my cousin Alan Duncan was a part of it, and um, and it and it all all of us were impacted by Ken Sparks, um, and and the people that. The, the lady that's working with us for our media, uh, Check Yourself Marketing, Hallie Sprinkle, who used to be marketing for Regal for like five or six years. She's now has her own company, but she's helping us market, um, you know, our Facebook, social media, stuff like that. She was impacted. She never knew the stories that's behind Ken Sparks and all these other people. I mean, it, it really is to hear you know, um, like the Ken Smiths and the Tony Dungy, Tony Dungy talking about that he met Ken Sparks at Black Mountain and it, it, he patterned his life in coaching around Ken Sparks. I, I was dumbfounded that a guy like that who had Super Bowls, <laughs> you know, had made it, that kind of impact that Ken Sparks had. So. You know, it's it, the stories that keep coming out that wow, you know, made an impact. So, 
which we talked about trying to start distributing the film, trying to get it online. For those who want to kind of keep up with the film and kind of distribution, get updates, I know you said you have a Facebook page. Um, is that probably the best way to kind of keep up to date and see what's going on with the yeah, we, we have a um, We have that Facebook page, which is the, the Ken Sparks story, I believe, or Sparks, the Ken Sparks story. Um, they can look me up on, on, on Facebook because uh, I have too many pages. <laughs> I have, um, you know, Jeff Joslin, J-O-S-L-I-N. That's my f regular one, and I don't really add a lot of people because I'm not out of numbers on that, uh, you know. Um, but I have a producer's page, which I try to update with that in, in conjunction with the Ken Sparks page. Um, and then um, my son and... and um, daughter-in-law, they have a, a, a website, nativewinmedia.com. And so one of the things we're doing too is we're creating an app. And a lot of people have watched Chosen from their app. Yeah. So we got that idea and said, hey, let's, let's create our own app. Okay. And we can stream out when, when it's ready. The Ken Sparks story, it only takes a spark. Right now, they're shooting, um, my daughter-in-law, they're shooting a, 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 I don't know what the, a, a, some kind of musical thing, because my son does music, so they're doing some kind of a southern musical kind of thing uh, for a feature film, that they want to have content ready for that app. And then I've got a couple of feature films that we're doing. I want to tell about the, um, the Brushy Mountain, the, the Red Fuller story, and then we have another one called Rude Awakening. Um, uh, great father who's it's, it's going to be coming out through our app and, and content and stuff like that so um, so nativewindmedia.com and then just Facebook's probably the best way because um, we're going to have an event for the Regal we're going to have probably a, 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 a red carpet thing on January 7th at the Regal Pinnacle uh, as soon as the de you know the details come out with that, so and, and that'll be happening probably in the next week or so. So sounds good. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, we're gonna have to talk to Coach Clowney about getting that alumni game back together. See if uh, he can put around the old Pitskin a little bit again out here in Burke Tar Stadium. <laughs> yeah, he's getting a um, a uh, interesting year for Carson yeah. Newman. You know, it's it's kind of like look, you just um, it's, it's it's tough. In, in this day of time and that to have guys to to be faithful mm -hmm. in in bad circumstances mm -hmm. you know um, so it's been a been a while since Carson Newman has been in that kind of situation and there's there's a great way that God can use um, you know when I when I actually showed the film for the football team and and coach Clowney was telling me he was saying you know we're trying to find ourselves you know, and, and that's, you know, I think, you know, I think Coach Sparks talked about in the documentary talks about, you know, tackle is tackling and, you know, football is football, <laughs> but truth always stays the same. And, um, and if people will stay faithful and stay faithful to the truth, then good things can happen as long as they give them the glory. You know, if you try to take it yourself, then things just aren't going to work out, um, and and that's, and it's, you know what, 500 years from now, who's going to care that Carson Newman went one and nine? This building's not going to be here probably. I wouldn't think. <laughs> um, the only thing that's going to happen is is all of us 
you and I uh, are going to be in eternity someplace. And so wouldn't we, wouldn't it be terrible that you put all your eggs in the basket of, of life here and you forget about your eternity? And, and that's what it's about. It's about eternity and about in a relationship with Christ and, and, and coming to know Christ as soon as possible. You know, because you never know. You, I mean, I could be gone with the stroke. I, I could have been gone. You know, you never know. Uh, going home today, I could be be gone. You know, and um, you, you never. You know, your life is like a vapor. It's gone, and um, the only thing that's going to last is your relationship with Christ. Jeff, thank you once again for joining us today, and best of luck with the film. And, of course, if you want to keep up, follow on Facebook, follow all the pages, and just keep up with the release. And once again, thank you so much for taking time today. Yeah, Richard, great. I appreciate it, and um, appreciate the honor to, 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 to do something for, for what Ken Sparks did in, in my life. So. That was Jeff Jocelyn, and he joined us this week on the Mossy Creek Conversations. You can keep up, of course, with the film via Facebook with Sparks the Ken Sparks Story. And, of course, keep up everything going on at Carson Newman University at cneagles.com. Thank you all for watching and listening to this week's Mossy Creek Conversations.